G'day ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Carnage House Productions, but not just any old regular Alex and Andy, Dougal and Alex, we've got something special, something special today, we've got uh, this this day is just defined by this quote I, I really do believe, where it's, there are two great days in a person's life, the day we are born and the day we discover why, and if you are a Carnage House Productions listener, that second day is today. We've got all three of the gang members out here today. Do you say what's up? <laughs> okay, yes, boys and girls, the band is back together. We have all three of the Cameron brothers here, and we're going to try and bring you something a bit new, a bit groovy, a bit hip. We're trying to, while retaining the entertainment portion of our podcast, we also want to try and branch out into some news and information. So today's going to be the first episode of The Wrap, and we're going to try and bring you one instalment per week, and it's going to be uploaded at the same time each week, so watch out for that. If you want to be a regular listener instead of a spontaneous spontaneous listener, we've got you covered. And so The Wrap is going to have a couple of different parts. Firstly, we're going to be talking a little bit about international affairs. Usually we'll choose maybe one story. We'll also have domestic affairs, so in this case we're doing the... um, Banking Royal Commission. Then at the end, we're going to have a few awards, some sports, uh, maybe some pop culture if we feel it, maybe some of Kanye's tweets if he tweets out some fire. Um, But the first hot topic of the week is US politics, and there's been some big developments there. There's a new firebrand in the house, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, 28, 29-year-old girl from the Bronx, recently elected into the house. And she's proposed what is being called the Green New Deal. And essentially, uh, what it is, is a national, social, industrial, and economic mobilization of the US economy on a scale not seen since World War II. And so why is it significant? Well, the reason why it's significant is because it's backed by a whole lot of high-ranking Democrats, including several um, presidential hopefuls. Uh, among them are Kamala Harris, Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, and Cory Booker. Um, while they've all voiced their support for it, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has condescendingly said that the plan is enthusiastic, and I appreciate the enthusiasm. <laughs> now, let me give you a little outline of what the policy uh, prescriptions are. So, uh, a 10-year plan for decarbonising the American economy overhauling the transportation system by replacing airplanes with high-speed trains, generating massive growth in clean manufacturing, replacement of every combustion engine vehicle, vacations for everybody, retirement security, abolition of, this is a real quote, farting cows, provide all people free university education training, a good job, high-quality healthcare, affordable and safe housing, economic security, the list goes on. Uh, But the important caveat to that is economic security for anyone unable or unwilling to work. Uh, Further, there's spending money on basic science, alternative energy solutions, and mitigation infrastructure in the communities most likely to be affected by storms and tides and heat. She would achieve this through spending, regulations, and government ownership stakes. When asked how much this would cost, She replied, at the end of the day, this is an investment in our economy that should grow our wealth as a nation. So the question isn't how we will pay for it, but what we will do with our new shared prosperity. 
Alex, what's your initial reaction to the Green New Deal? Well, the first thing we should recognise is that this is not the first New Deal uh, proposed and enacted. We should remember that coming out of the Great Depression in the early 1930s, uh, FDR implemented what was essentially the first New Deal. And what it was designed to do was to stimulate the economy in kind of a very Keynesian manner, whereby the government uh, pumps the economy full of cash and, and full of... Uh, I guess gives it uh, a whole bunch of jobs through public works, public infrastructure, that type of thing, to try and give the economy a kickstart. Now, Keynesianism has come under fire, um, arguably deservedly so, um, but it is essentially the same type of thing. So you increase social security, you increase uh, welfare, you increase all types of public spending in order to, um, I guess, give the people who would otherwise be affected in situations where there is some kind of downturn, a, uh, a kickstart. Now, this is that was the the fundamental basis of the uh, of the New Deal initially, but we see this is more of a redistributionist type of policy. Um, my initial reaction is um, socialist policies like this. Uh, it's they often find it best not to talk about the numbers. So when she talks about the fact that it's not so much about what it's going to cost, but how fun it's going to be, that's not really a great surprise to me. Um, also have to remember that uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, her appearances on TV when trying to explain the costings, she's used phrases such as back of the envelope, uh, pie in the sky numbers, which aren't exactly encouraging for someone who uh, values the value of their own assets. So what you have to remember is that when you're inflating the, uh, inflating the currency to pay for something like this, everyone's assets in terms of dollar value go down. So my initial reaction is um, it is way left of everything that we've previously seen. It has, uh, I wouldn't say surprisingly, but it has gained a lot of traction, particularly among millennials. Um, it's not surprising that it's being espoused by, I guess, someone who identifies as an ethnic minority, uh, someone who has traditionally been part of the oppressed class. It feeds into this kind of class warfare which they're trying to capitalise on, but um, I would be surprised if, it, if all of it gets through. That being said, it's still worrying. I'd say also uh, two things. Firstly, I am slightly sympathetic to Casio cortez in the sense that her first reaction to when people ask how much is it going to cost, it says, well, she says... I don't think the government really cares that much about what things cost. We're happy to find $7 trillion for wars in the Middle East. Mm. We're happy to find $700 billion and then $716 billion in consecutive years for military funding. Establishment Republicans and Establishment Democrats both passed that without any qualms. And so then she says, well, what about the average American in a, you know, where's the money that we can find for them? Because we, 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 we can seem to find it so easily for all these other things. Now, but secondly, I'd also say that there's a whole lot of moderate or more moderate, more in the centre liberals who are half-heartedly supporting it. They're supporting it in the sense that they appreciate trying to fight climate change, but they are concerned about how empowering this is going to be for the GOP. So I'd like to read part of an article from the New York Times where the writer said, uh, this blueprint manages to confirm every conservative critique of liberal environmental activism every Republican suspicion of what global warming is really all about. The core conservative suspicion is that when liberals talk about the dire threat of global warming, 
They're actually seizing opportunistically on the issue to justify full socialism, the seizure of the economy's commanding heights in order to implement the most left-wing possible agenda. So what you also find in the Green New Deal is not only environmental policy, but you find universal healthcare, free education, social um, safety nets, which are all wrapped up in the kind of climate change uh, legislation. Um, And this is not like an Alex Jones thing that uh, people... Uh, through climate change are trying to create a centralised government to control your assets and wealth. Um, This seems to now be a mainstream thing. Sure. Uh, You're exactly right. This is uh, where the term watermelon comes from. uh, It refers to people who are green on the outside but totally and massively red on the inside. Um, This is one of the reasons why I'm sceptical on climate change. there are a number of things you have to prove with climate change, but even if you did prove all of those things before you know before you got to the point where you start talking about policy, if, when you start talking about policy and the instant remedy to all of this becomes some kind of redistribution of wealth, I immediately become sceptical. Um, any situation in which... So, for instance, uh, Casio-Cortez came out and said that um, the, the state of global warming is becoming so catastrophic that kind of within the next, I think it was 12 years, she said. 12 years. We may, not, we may not get out of it. Now, you often see that in cases like this where they're trying to implement really quite um, drastic measures, what you have to do is you have to establish a state of crisis and state of panic so severe that it warrants any kind of state intervention. So you can only really um, talk about uh, redistributionist policies so severe like this when you establish a state of emergency. Um, and that's effectively what they're doing. Um, I am obviously skeptical, considering that on the website, when they were outlining the New Deal, they said they wanted to provide a safety net for those who are unwilling and unable to work. Now, mm-hmm. anyone who looks at that, the red flag should start coming, and red, I mean red. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that kind of gives the game away, almost. Sure. I mean, providing... Um a whole lot of money for those people unwilling to work is going to be a tough sell to, I think, most Americans. Um, And just to wrap it up, I would take a couple more reactions to the Green New Deal. One from David Roberts of Vox, who admits that uh, many of the policy prescriptions are, quote, eyebrow-raising doozies. And Ben Shapiro, who says the intellectual content is indistinguishable from the product of the cows she seeks to abolish. So that is in go. reference, I, I assume, to the methane-producing cows. The methane-producing cows. Now, that's also uh, that's been brought up in Australia as well. That hasn't. That's not just an exclusively um, American suggestion. Australia has a lot of cows, a lot of cattle, um, a lot of cattle and cows, a lot of all of the above. <laughs> a lot of alliteration going on here. I'm keen. Uh, before we wrap up, I'm always keen to hear what Young Doss has to say. He's always got his finger on the pulse of all things youthful. Um, and particularly when there's something so catastrophic, I mean, they're often talking about, well, you know, if we don't act on climate change, then what are you going to do for your kids and grandkids? Andy's, yeah, Andy's well, got his finger on the pulse. Why don't you tell us about Well, it, it does seem a lot like the, um, the classic South Park, Al Gore, someone take me super serial. <laughs> we, need to act, we need to act now. Yeah. Um, Senator as well in Australian politics with like Tim Flannery, for example, in the past, where you sort Ooh, of Flannery gets a gig. First gets, time a, for gets a gig for the first time in a the hot minute. He's seriously jumped off a cliff. In regards to, I haven't forgot what he looks like. He's he's a weird looking dude, but um. Steinberg, maybe you can pull that up. <laughs> Steinberg, our, producer, our producer Steinberg. So there's Stephen Crowder's got not gay, 
Jared. Jared. Not gay. Jared. Then Joe Rogan's got Jamie. We've got um, uh, we've got Stein. We've got, we got Steinberg. Steinberg, can you pull that up, please? Steinberg, we're going to pull that up in the video. Um, <laughs> make sure you take a note of that. Thanks, mate. Yeah, um, well, um, it does. It does just sort of seem like, sort of, just way trying to create this panic and sort of fear mongering well, in the populace. If, if um, the science, what the scientists, or what many of the scientists are saying is true, then there is a good chance we should be worried about it. Yeah, so the, 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 like one of the one of the probably for me the most compelling reasoning behind acting on climate change is that it's almost like a Pascal's wager type of scenario, whereby Pascal's wager is a situation where if you confronted between uh, with a choice in terms of following Christianity or not, and you drew up that kind of matrix, it's a payoff scenario. Um, it's um, our recording has stopped, so. You won't be getting uh, the moving visuals of our good-looking mugs. You'll be getting a different picture as you listen to the rest of this <laughs> you podcast. Might, might just put Stein up there, <laughs> a little bit of Stein action. You might put Tim Flannery up there. <laughs> might put Flannery up there. Um, but just to finish the point, if you do a kind of Pascal's Wager situation where you say, well, what's the payoff for me following Christianity and it's true, that's pretty good, right? The payoff for uh, following Christianity and it's not true... Is not amazing, but it's not awful. The payoff, however, for not following Christianity, and it is true, eternity in hell is that bad that the rational position would be for you to become a Christian, right? Assuming that it's true. Now, of course, that means you put it, it's, it is still essentially faith, and it's hard to determine whether or not someone can make a rational leap in faith at all. But that's kind of the proposition. For me, that would be, that's the most compelling argument for climate change, considering that I am still sceptical on the relationship between, um, I guess, uh, the conflict of interest inherent between government funding, enlargement of the state and science, particularly in, in a, a scenario where um, government funding is the primary source of income for a lot of scientists, as well as a peer review type of situation as well. Sure. Well, I don't think it's, I think it's very hard to make the case that you distrust scientists based on their revenue model, when you'll only take one piece of their science and disagree with it and then every other piece of science that they'll create you'll probably trust it though uh well this isn't just a piece of science though this is a, this is a whole s broad spectrum of, of alleged science yeah but so why would you distrust all of these scientists on one issue but then trust them on other issues well but uh, on the other issues it hasn't been documented um abuse of scientific protocol and to the extent that this has been Okay, cool. Rationalising positions here. We like that. All right. So I, think, I, I would say you're probably less sceptical on the thing than I am overall, but I... I might, you know... Look, it's, it's healthy scepticism, though. It's not, it's not Eddie Bravo scepticism. I mean, you, you've talked before about a healthy scepticism of government. It is difficult to separate this uh, climate science from climate government. Sure. Sure. But I, have a tr I tend to trust people who know more about the issue than me on the issue generally sure but I would also say that um, there's not a uh, scientific consensus that you would chalk it up to as well okay great I think that brings us to the end of segment one of the grilled of the, chicken Caesar of the uh, of the rap the rap now we're on to section two which will be led by our brilliant co-host <laughs> Alexander Dr. Zane 
Dr. Zan. Dr. Zanex. Yeah, we might, do we want to just check on the recording, see if we can get it back up again? Let me see. I'll, Andy, I'll why don't you go I'll, check on the recording and... Synthesis, Alex. Alex, did you just pause the audio or not? No, I didn't. Okay, well, why don't you bring us into um, the Banking Royal Commission? Um, basically, there has arguably been not a hotter topic, particularly in uh, finance culture, than what is oh. now... Or, I guess, in a sense, concluded, but not totally concluded. There's still ongoing um, processes and repercussions, but largely, I guess, the findings have been concluded. In terms of the Banking Royal Commission, it's um, everyone's hated the bankers. Uh, everyone's hated the people who deal with money. Since you go back to the tax collectors in the Bible, you go back even further. Um, I guess the Babylonians and those of that ilk. Um, it is diff. And did you know that uh, it was often the case that um, prior to the Calvinists uh, in, in Christianity, it was determined that it was uh, the church wouldn't charge interest on a loan because they decided it was immoral to, I guess, generate mm-hmm. money out of nothing in some respect. Um, but that's beside the bar. That's by the bar. Uh, Steinberg's just checking something out in the background there. So thanks for checking on that one, Stein. Thanks, thanks. mate. Cool. Um, so basically, what, what what's happened over the past couple of years prior to the, uh, the the beginnings of the Royal Commission, just to give a little context, there was a series of scandals which kind of, upon their release, built up the public perception of there needs to be an investigation into this. To quote Jeff Toovey, there's got to be an investigation into this, right? And that's kind of what everyone was like. You Except had, the Liberals. Yes. The Liberals were, not, were saying that there was no need for... Yeah, a banking royal commission. There's no need for a banking royal commission. Um, so what they found is, I guess, what everyone was expecting to find, which was a whole lot of dirty dealing, a whole lot of dip and twirl, <laughs> a whole lot of duck dive, dip duck and dodge, a whole lot of but, that type of action. The five D's of dodging the regulators, <laughs> but uh, not not as much criminal activity. I don't think as they were expecting to find. There was a lot of, of course, a lot of immoral, unethical business. Well, what well, are you saying? Well, is anyone getting was, locked up? There was more. There was uh, is anyone getting put behind bars? That question is still yet to be decided because they have to. What? What? The the legal question, okay, that they've got to answer, particularly with it, with regards to something like fees for no service, is whether that is actually constitutes a criminal act. Mm. Um, if it is, then I doubt people will go to jail. People that don't tend to go to jail. And these guys probably things. escaped these things. No one went to jail for two thousand and eight. I think one guy did. I don't know if they did. Huge. At the end of the big Huge. short, there was a thing about, I think, one oh, guy did. Okay. So, yeah. One and guy. And he was a bit of a low life as well. He was a... Just an average Joe. He was a bit Just of a can kicker, I think. And <laughs> um, look, this is... It's obviously... It's... There's been mixed reactions to the to the findings of the Royal Commission. So the Royal Commission found exactly what everyone was expecting to find. A whole bunch of misconduct, a whole bunch of slippery, slimy um, bankers getting big fees for doing not a lot. Um... So then, old mate Hainsey, Kenneth Haynes, has come out with a recommendation of 76 points, which is... A lot of points. There's a lot, a lot of, of points. points. Jared, Jared Hain, the Hain plane has taken off at 76 points. Taken off, but he, yeah, they're going to find it difficult to get through to the airport because mm. a lot of smoke, a lot of mirrors. <laughs> um, so, uh, of the report, Labor says that they're going to support and implement all the findings because... Of course, it will be the opinion of the left that the banks are sticking up for these capitalist greedy guys on the right, and particularly if the coalition has repeatedly slapped down the idea of the Royal Commission in the first place, they're going to be the ones to say, well, look, we told you it was going to be bad. You didn't want to have a look because all your mates are in the banks, and this is what happened, right? Um, in terms of the penalties, there's been mixed reactions as well. So um, 
the way that you can often tell is how the market reacts to where people put their money. Where people put their money is is often a good place. Is to often start. a good indicator. So uh, the ASX 200 financial sector on a Tuesday was up about five percent, uh, with analysts at Jefferies commenting, "Quote, is that it?" Question mark. Um, now, of the hardest hit is arguably the brokers. So if you're looking for a mortgage, you'll often go through a broker. Um, now, old mate Hainsey has absolutely come down on the brokers, even though there was no criminal misconduct performed by the brokers. The brokers were actually relatively good in terms of behavior as a lot of the, the, the banks um, driven by that sales culture that we often talk about. So there was obviously an inquiry into, the, into uh, sales culture, whatever mm-hmm. that is, um, and performance culture at banks whereby they're determined to be not looking after the customer, but looking after themselves, which is, I guess, by the by. Um, so, of the recommendations, I thought we'd have, have a look at a couple of the highlights. Cool. A couple of the top five or something like that. So, the Twin Peaks, ASIC and APRA, they stay, and they're still doing their role. It's... I'm not what is it? Is it Australian Securities Investments Commission? Commission and Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority or something like that. Um, a lot of acronyms get thrown around in this type of business. A lot of jargon. A lot of jargon, which or, which is often um, one of the reasons why nobody understands nobody anything. Nobody understands anything. Absolutely ripped. Yeah, so I mean, we've got... Uh, They're just like filling up the word count to befuddle the teacher but they're not they're making up their own lingo it's a whole, whole, whole lot of this <laughs> a whole lot of that so Christopher Joyce um, writes in the AFR this is one of the highest ranking opinion pieces in the AFR over the past couple of days but the biggest winners from the Royal Commission are demonstrably by a long way the big banks um, this is uh, and so when he talks about when how Hainsey's slapping the brokers, what he means is um, if the Royal Commission has its way and all Labor comes to power, the commissions will disappear completely. So the commissions of the broker, particularly uh, the 0.2% trailing commission, which is what they get over the lifetime of the, of the investments, assuming that the, um, the consumer stays on that loan. Right, they get the same. But they also get a zero point six percent upfront commission. Now, what Hainsey wants to do, so all these all these um, brokers have established business models straight on on these lines. Okay, what Hainsey wants to do is he wants to say, no, 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 it's going to be an upfront fee. Okay, so it doesn't depend on the size of the loan or the complexity of the loan or the rating or whatever. It's all um, it's an upfront fee to stop allegedly brokers trying to broker bigger loans that might be a little bit riskier, even though it's really the bank that's in charge of that. Um, and that's important because the uh, commission has said that the, the report recommended no changes to the responsible lending laws. So that refers to the, the credit restrictions. So who gets what loan, who's eligible, who's not, that type of thing. Um, and so what's, what, what, what Christopher Joyce is saying is, well, in the situation where the, bro- the broker's um, don't aren't getting these commissions is going to drastically reduce the bank and non-bank mortgage costs. So the cost of the bank themselves uh, is going to go down. So that's going to make them more profitable and they're going to get more direct business because they're not going to go through a broker. They'll just go straight to the bank. Um, so 
he's saying that by far the brokers are the hardest hit and the, the banks are actually even better off and you can see that through the market. Um, look, in term, it, it, there's a number of reasons, arguably, like you talked about libertarian and Austrian economics about why banks might engage in bad behaviour, But and I'll throw it to you guys, but I think one of the fundamental reasons why banks are behaving so badly is because the government's guaranteeing the debt. In the event where they fail, because they've given money to people who they shouldn't give money to, because they're charging fees to people they shouldn't charge fees to, whatever, um, it's because it's essentially riskless lending. Mm. They can get assets taken off the books, but if the government's guaranteeing the debt and that's ultimately the taxpayer footing the bill, then they just do what they want, they're cowboys. Mm. And so what it also means is that when you, they're so heavily regulated at the minute, um, it's so hard for anyone to set up their own bank that's competitive because these guys are so big that even though the regulation almost makes them more profitable because there's just no competition. Sure. So I'll throw it to you In guys. In the same way the, the drug cartels uh, remain profitable because no one else can start up their own drug cartels because of how hard it is to evade the police. I mean, to smuggle drugs into a country is pretty hard and pretty expensive. So only the big boys can do it. And so I feel like that's probably the same with the banks. Not to say that they're like the drug cartels in terms of morals and ethics being bad people, but to say that you can't have any smaller startup uh, innovative companies because the arena is set up in such a way that only the big boys can play. Mm. Well, they're determined to be so systematically important to the rest of the health of the economy that if they failed, it would, the results would be so catastrophic that we just can't let it happen. Right, which just means that these problems are just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And it's fairly apparent that the regulators have no control over it. Mm. Have no control over this type of stuff. ASIC and APRA have been around for a while. Um, and this stuff's been going on underneath their nose. Andros, I'm going to throw it to you. Um, what, what's your take on the whole Royal Commission? Well, um, my take really in regards to the Hain report is that obviously... Kenneth is trying his best. He means well. He's had to go through a whole lot of, he's sift through a whole lot of rocks to get the little to get the sand at the bottom. But um, I think there has to rather than just openly accepting these regulations, the government structures like the gov the the parties, the government parties need to look more into it rather than just blindly accepting it for what it is. No, um, well the truth, well maybe, but the truth is, it's very hard to trust the Liberal Party on anything to do with banking after their initial rejection of the call for a royal commission. Well, well, the, well, one argument would be, it's like, well, we're gonna find, we know what we're going to find. We know what we're going to find. And to be honest, they understand that the banks are too systematically important, that you can't do anything really meaningful, uh, and it's going to take a whole bunch of t- taxpayer money, and it's going to take well, a whole even bunch just of for money. the issue, for the sake of transparency. For the optics, sure. For the sake of transparency, they should have it. And... Maybe it could help lead to a solution if you can frame the problem correctly, instead of just having vague ideas about what's shady and what's not. Yeah. Um, okay, anything else to add? Um, it's, it's kind of an unholy alliance, isn't it, between the government and the banks at this point, and it's extremely toxic because it's ultimately the, um, the taxpayer who's going to be the yeah. one who bears the cost. So any solutions? You say deregulation would be. I would. I would say the first thing I would do if I was prime minister, I would say um, I would get the heads of the four big banks together, and I would say we are no longer going to guarantee your debt. Um, the taxpayer is not going to underwrite your liabilities. If you guys stuff up, it's on you. 
Um, you're each going to be personally accountable. We've had enough. We're when also going to cut regulations so that it's we're going to make the place more competitive. I wouldn't um, go straight in and break up the big banks. They will break up on their own once they realise that they just can't go on like this. When you say keep them personally accountable, are you saying they'd be liable to like would would they go to jail if they muck up? I would say uh, uh, well, the, well the problem is there the, there is uh, there is criminal law related to breaches of liability and and um, misdeeds at a corporate level. I would say we're going to make the intention that these are going to be followed through and not just kind of a. Um, uh, they're out there but it never really happens you know the kind of thing oh well they'll get slapped with two years but it'll only serve six months type of thing that's not what's going to happen mm. we're going to okay. throw the kitchen sink that's that throw would be the my kitchen reaction. sink at them these damn dirty apes these damn dirty apes can get keep. hit with a kitchen shit sink to the mouth and you can keep the change you filthy animals that's right so what do we got next I'm feeling this could be this could be time for Andy to shine could it well we, we've got Oh, just to say, uh, the carnage has already begun. Often, uh, Ken Henry's gone, and he's mate uh, Andrew Thornburn, uh, but both gone, uh, and they're both quote deeply sorry. If that's yeah. any consolation, deeply anyway. sorry they got caught, maybe, because yeah. I bet they'd be living it up on some yachts or something. Yeah, and um, in the words of Beyonce, you're just sorry because you got caught. Queen B. I think it's, it's definitely philosopher. It's definitely a, a it's what Michael Eric Dyson called her. She is Dyson. really Michael Eric Dyson. Dyson, suck it up. That's what he said. Dyson. Oh yeah. Okay. Yay of the day slash shout outs. This can be. This is going to be one of our segments. I think. Yeah. I would like, personally, to give one this week to Elon Musk. And you might not think he would get a shout out on this podcast. By the way, some of the hosts have previously talked about climate change and renewable energies, but we're going to give him one anyway, because. This week, he sent out a tweet reminding people that all of the patent, patents or patents uh, he has for electric cars and Tesla are open for everybody around the world to use. So he's not really worried about his intellectual property. He's not really worried as much about making cash. He just wants to kind of make the world a better place. Now, he firmly believes in climate change and he left... Uh, he resigned as an economic advisor to Donald Trump after Trump pulled out of Paris Climate Accord. So this guy really believes in climate change. Um, and he reminded everybody that the overarching purpose of Tesla Motors is to help expedite the move from a mine and burn hydrocarbon economy towards a solar electric economy. So what you find in this case is that he wants to stop the greenhouse emissions. He wants to stop global warming as he believes it. Uh, but he's not going to take your money. He's going to solve it through uh, capitalism. He's going to solve it through consent. He's going to solve it through innovation. Um, so he gets a shout out for this week. Um, Andy. I might just comment on that quickly. Um, Tesla was also the beneficiary of an enormous grant, government grant, early. I think it was north of $500 million. Sure. Um, they did pay it back, though, I'm pretty sure. Sure, regardless, but it's not the role. For, I don't believe it's the role of the government to give out loans um, and to act as venture capitalists just for the record um, but just to get two cents in I'm just going to throw my two cents in um, but also let's let's remember um, Tesla is also the most shorted stock on Wall Street as well um, a lot of people think it's totally overpriced based on the Elon factor uh, and no one would have a more vested interest in climate change than Elon Musk but that being said I'm also sympathetic to the argument that 
you know, what came Well, first. there's a lot of people making electric cars. Sure. That's China right. makes heaps of electric cars, and they would love to use all the stuff Elon invented for I, electric I almost cars. guarantee that, they've, that they, they had it anyway. Yeah, well, because he released it. I'm saying to you, there, there, there are plenty of yeah, electric okay. cars out there. Tesla's just looks, looks good. Dude, Tesla's cars are fast as and super yeah. safe. What about the the autopilot, the guy who died? There's been about five people people die. die, How many people die in normal cars? Like, ridiculous amount. Yeah, but this autopilot went off and hit a pedestrian. (laughs) Yeah, normal cars. (laughs) How many times? I'm not saying that they're perfect. What I'm saying is that they're pretty safe as well. Yeah, but not if you were that pedestrian and you got hit by a car on autopilot. How many pedestrians get killed? What if the? How many pedestrians get killed by drunk drivers? Imagine if you were drunk and you could just turn it on autopilot. How many? And well, I get well, it wouldn't have been any safer for that pedestrian. Well, it'd be a lot safer. It's almost like the car on autopilot was drunk itself. Well, how many people die all the time from normal diesel cars or petrol cars? Sure, but yeah, but then we got a human behind the wheel. You can blame the human. The car just decided it's going to take this guy out. We're ranging into serious anecdotal evidence here. A whole lot of, uh, let's worry about this one Kenneth, incident. The Royal Commissioner. Here we go. And oh, the, port, the last bastion of reason in Russia. Yeah, of course. Let's... When you two animals are out here just slinging whatever you want at each other. I'm saying not... the IP's not, not going to be worth, not that worth that much at this point. Just for the record. I'm going to caveat. I like it. I'm pro, but I just don't think it, like, I think it's a bit of virtue signaling, if I'm honest. Okay. Well, that just sounds like a climate change skeptic argument yeah. rather than a yeah, rather than a anything related yeah, to the uh, shout out argument. You feel the animal for Do doing your own how, research. How can, how can it be so in favour of climate, uh, like uh, the stuff to do with climate change? He's launching rockets into the atmosphere. Yeah, that's because he says we're already going to smash the Earth up, and we probably can't change it. So we have to work out. So, so we probably have so to then work what's out. What's the point of buying electric cars? It's so we probably like, have to work out how to go to Mars. Because <laughs> if we can save it, we should. It's just like a, a vegan who says. I'm not gonna. Uh, you shouldn't eat animals, but just give me the steak. I'll take the wagyu as well. I'll, I'll take that shark fin soup and I'll <laughs> I'll get it I'll down. Ta- me. <laughs> I'll take the dolphin. <laughs> anyway, that's by the by. Okay. I appreciate the shout out. I'm skeptical on it as per usual. And I'll why don't you bring it home with the? We doing what are we? Are we doing are we, sports? Are we doing? Are we doing? Are we trade, doing? Are we no, doing, doing stop feeling? Are we doing beta mail of the week? Stop feeling. So I've had a, I've had a um. We've consulted each other. We've had a meeting. And we have decided that last week we gave a Beta Male of the Week award. And for anyone who's confused about the guidelines of the Beta Male of the Week award, after convening, we didn't want to make it gender exclusive. Well, not that male actually means anything anymore. And it's something we're about to find out even more acutely. Um, as we've all become aware and enlightened in, the, I guess, the 21st century, um, by scientists, no less, who have... Social scientists and um, actual scientists, as Dougal points out, who we should trust on everything. Um, there is no such thing as gender, and if there is, there's more than 100. So, um, just to enlighten this, my nomination for the Beta Male of the Week Award, slash also the Stop Fooling Award. Um, it's a classic Cameron idiomatic phrase. It's, it's an all-timer. The stop fooling. Stop fooling. Because you've been fooling and it's time to stop it. It's time to cut it out. Um, it's uh, it's going to go to Kate Palmer. Well, well, that's your, your nomination. That's, that's, my no, that's my nomination. I know where Andos's one is going. And so why don't you tell us about Kate Palmer and what she's done to deserve it? Uh, let me tell you a little How bit. How do you get a nomination on the uh, beta mail of the week? Hey, can I tell you, you've got to do something pretty... 
pretty beta to get a nomination <laughs> for beta male of the week when you're not a male. <laughs> to, to, to let alone have a good chance of winning. To even get in the well. running. Um, and I reckon this one's going to be pretty hard to beat. So Kate Palmer is the CEO of Australian Sports Commission. Um, as you would expect, this is a totally taxpayer-run and funded operation. Um, and so she uh, wrote an article in sportsoz.gov.au in the media centre on 7th of February 2019 um, called Let's Stop Calling It Women's Sport. Why? Why's that? Well, you're about to find out, mate. Hold your horses, Dougal. We're getting there. <laughs> getting keen. It's time to read right... Uh, I'm going to quote directly because I don't want to get confused that I'm some kind of stitch-up artist. It's time to rewrite the language of Australian sport. We need to drop the unnecessary divisive labels and erase the gender bias that has become accepted and ingrained. There is no longer a place for the subcategory known as women's sport. There is just sport. It belongs to all. It's what everyone plays. What has traditionally been divided into buckets should become mainstream. Everyone should feel welcome, worthy and equal. And here is the kicker. This is what I want people at home to listen to. It's a home run. Given that no sport is gender inclusive, and I'm going to give this to Andy to try and think of one that is gender exclusive, a sport that is. Gender exclusive. Yeah, so only one. Why do we continue to call it, quote, women's sport? This is what I want everyone to listen to real close. Especially now that, as a society, we recognise that there are more than two genders. As a society, we recognise that there are more than two genders. So... I must have missed that meeting. I didn't realise that. I got mine in the mail, mate. I'm going to have to hit my mailman because I was not there at the meeting. I don't know, Dougal, you would have been in China for this, I assume. Definitely no. I didn't get the memo when we as a society came together. Have you not heard? And recognised that there are more than two genders. Now, there is obviously a legitimate debate as to whether we just stop any type of funding going to the Australian Sports Commission at all. <laughs> and I think there are some legitimate arguments for that. Um, but in terms of the specificity of this debate, I'm going to throw it to DOS, and I want DOS to break it down. Andos, have you found a sport that's gender exclusive? Just off the top of my head, I haven't... I mean, gender exclusive as in only... So no, no female or no male is allowed to play the sport, or is it that they can't play it together on the same field or arena? What, what do you mean? Only one gender plays it, can play it. I'm struggling. Oh, I would say five set tennis. Five set. Oh, <laughs> I was. <laughs> test, test cricket. <laughs> I don't know if that comes under. Um, I guess they're still playing tennis, but it is a difference. <laughs> it's, a t- it's a marathon there. You know, they, you know they, it was tossed around the idea of five set tennis, and the, the female players didn't want it at Wimbledon, particularly. Um, I mean, hot days. Okay, only, so uh, should we give that one to Kate Palmer? That there's no one we can think of. Yeah, I think I think we give it to her. I think we do give a special mention well, to the other nominees. To be fair, I'm open to the idea that we just call it sport. But I mean, to be fair, I don't know who doesn't just call it sport. I don't know who sits down and says, "Ooh, I can't wait to watch women's sport." Yeah. I mean, there are people who look forward to watching the women's rugby sevens, but they're like, "Ooh, I don't sit down and look forward to." That wasn't the case. Rugby sevens. When I was, in I mean, for women's sport in general. We might say women's rugby sevens, and sometimes we say the men's rugby sevens. 
Well, I, I think it's just caught up over names. But I think the big takeout from this one is that as a society we recognise there are more than two genders um, and that's, that's what we pay for. Um, but in the same token, I do... If she wants to take that position, she can't then say, well, women and men should get paid the same in tennis when one plays three sets and another plays five. Well, well if, if we are to say that there are more than two genders, correct, then um, let's just say we don't adhere to the biological constraints, right? Let's just say there's, uh, gender and sex become two different things, right? I think most people... Well, apparently most people don't, but I think some people would say that gender and sex are pretty much the same thing, right? If you say that they're two separate categories and that there's more than two genders, then there's actually an infinite number of genders. At least, I think, 56. Or something well, listed by the Ontario Human Rights Commission. Well, the thing is, some, if you take it to its logical conclusion, some if gender becomes a digits. social construct, then a social construct can have infinite variations. So, if we were to talk about gender bias, how do you quantify gender bias among an infinite number of variables? I mean, that means I could be the... Um, it's hard. I Kate Palmer... <laughs> we might... Kate Palmer, Kate Palmer knows. <laughs> it means Dougal could be the uh, world champion rhythmic ballet dancer for his yeah. chosen what gender. What I want to know, what I actually do want to know, is when we're going to see Brock Lesnar competing in women's MMA, in women's heavyweight MMA. That's what I want to see. Because there's no gender. Well, well, I'm also going to ask Andos this. Andos, can there be a gender pay gap if there is an infinite number of genders? Well, I think the, the pay gap would then just return to a spectrum, really, where it's just you, exactly. have, you have the most, the highest earning genders up the up one end, the lowest earning down but the other. But there's no ends because it's infinite, correct? But I mean, there'd be more dominant and less dominant genders, I would assume. Yeah, the cisgenders would be probably closer to the top, I reckon. Yeah, I'd say the more the more niche genders, especially when we're <laughs> <laughs> the out of vogue genders. The especially uh, it'd be funny watching furry sports. Furry sports. I don't think that's a gender, Andy. Well, I de- they identify as furries. It happens. <laughs> They have, they have competitions for furries. Hence, <laughs> <laughs> it's a sport. <laughs> Why don't we get Stein to look it up? Stein, <laughs> Stein can you pull that up? <laughs> Dribbler. Oh, lucky we didn't get that on camera, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cards full. Cards full. It's good to get... Cards full. Anyways. (laughs) Our video guy sucks. (laughs) We've got no tears left to cry now. Alright. Let's wrap this up. Are we we happy with that as a... um, Did you have a nomination? Well, my my nomination was just especially... um, in light of <laughs> the last, the last beta male of the week award, no, the, the first one actually, the first one which I collected, took home, put it in the trophy cabinet, um, where Alex told me there's no, there's no, not a more powerful, powerful position you can have to express your views is when you have someone else who's opposing you, and you have the open four, which uh, Alex did have last night at a family function. <laughs> we uh, 
And of course, one of the family members goes, oh, Donald Trump's this, that, this, that, whatever. This, that, and the other. This, that, and whatever the other may be. And Alex said, well, yeah, maybe he is. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. But he's this, but he's blah, blah, blah. And the point of the story is Alex completely folded. Completely folded from his views. I, w- I, w- I would disagree. I didn't completely fold. I think you did. I, I think you didn't. Close to completely folded. I think you didn't say. And I, and more often than not, the person who we're talking about said something in relation to Trump. I didn't say anything. She didn't ask me a question directly, and then do or you go. Oh, Alex, don't you want to respond? <laughs> I mean, it was it was directed. It was you directed. Did it. it at was you. directed. Okay. At you and you responded. I like, can whatever. be the judge then, and um, I'm going to give it to Kate Palmer. Only by landslide. Um. Then what I'm also going to say is I'm going to open the floor to the audience and we want your criticisms, both constructive and not constructive. Uh, the less about, constructive, the better. The I less reckon. constructive, probably the better. Um, about what you thought of the rap, what you thought of the segments in particular, uh, what you'd like to see more of or less of, uh, and any suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover or segments you'd like us to add in. Also, guests you would like us to have on. Um, we love guests. We do have this new setup. I hope you can appreciate it. We're slowly moving our way up the technical uh, hierarchy in terms of our podcast production. So what we've done this week, I don't know if you can see, we've got this USB adapter where you can fit four mics and then put it into one USB port. So we can have up to four people at this stage. Seriously, high tech developments we've got going Some on. High tech developments. Thank you to JB Hi-Fi for organising that, by the way. Well, shout out to JB. Yeah. Hopefully, you can get a sponsorship sometime. JB's also, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to say it. Don't go to EB Games anymore. There's You're no going to go that far. I mean, I'm not actually. I don't want to advocate a boycott, but I will say, um, there's no point in my no, estimation. No. I mean, Steinberg agrees. Unless you've, unless you've um, really got some. Serious traction on your EB World Card or whatever it is, mm. then maybe, maybe you might have some loyalty points on your EB World points, Card. But really, that takes you some. That's a great. The only thing that, line. unless they're offering better prices for trade ins, but they seem pretty skipped for cash. Yeah, unless you're looking for some niche video game stuff. Even then, JB's got a bigger range, I reckon. Yeah, yeah oh. I think they do. I don't think EB's got them covered on any aspect. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what grinds my gears. Just is that, um. Why don't you move a bit closer to your mic? Is that EB Games, which is kind of the Australian equivalent of GameStop, uh, charges for the same game like 30, 40 bucks more. And don't tell me that's the exchange rate. Where the AAA games that come out in America are all released for 60 bucks. Maybe that's changed recently, but previously they're all released for 60 bucks. Yet the same game in Australia, it's 100, 110 bucks in EB Games. Now, JB might have marked it down a little you can, bit. You can, you can um, price match at EB. Little known fact, yeah, you're allowed to pl- you're allowed to price match. If you go to them and say, "I've got this," take a photo, take a photo, and almost always, from what I've heard, they don't even contest it. Really? Yeah, they don't even contest it. They know it's a racket. Really? They know it's a racket. You know when Trump came back from when he met the UN and he said they were all looking at me and they were all laughing because they said because they knew they'd been getting away with it for so long. <laughs> he said all these nations, and I said. Not anymore, not anymore, <laughs> and, and the colour just went from the, their face. You know when he said that, when he was given yeah. that spill? That's what EB Games is. EB Games is the UN, and they're taking all this money, there's no reciprocal trade, but when you propose a deal to them, 
They got to take it. They have they to. They got to take it, or else they're getting the failing EB games. They are. They do seem to be We're losing trash. Uh, J Brexit. <laughs> J Brexit. <laughs> Hashtag. Hashtag J B. Rexit. Yep. See a shout out there to JB. JB still well. Good service. Normally Good service. a couple of weirdos. Well, I don't really. I would say weirdos. But <laughs> really odd types who are surfing. <laughs> Just people who are passionate. I think we can admit yeah. that there Just is people a... who are passionate about their games, their movies, whatever. I like people with the funky hairdos. The funky I like hairdos. it. I want to see more, not less. I'm just well, saying. Well, then why are you calling them weirdos? That why is you rude. Do you want to have your first retraction? I'm not going to retraction because I meant it uh, with respect. And if anyone could hear the undertones in the voice, hopefully the podcast, the mics pick it up. But I was sincere in that. I was appreciative of their service. I was just saying that they often had some interesting and unique characteristics about them. Not usually the connotations you attach to weirdo, but whatever. Whatever. We're happy to look past it. Gee whiz. We're descending into chaos okay. here. Have we got anything else? Oh, you know what we haven't done? NBA no, we haven't done. We've got to wrap up the NBA trades because the NBA. deadline just happened. Yeah, this is his only job, so deadline we'll to <laughs> have a crack at it. This is preparation. I'm excited. Time. I want to talk some NBA. I'm we were going to talk some UFC, but it totally undelivered today. UFC 234 with Israel Adesanya putting on a totally mediocre performance against Anderson Silva, a guy who he should have taken out if he's a fraction of the athlete he talks him up to be. Anderson Silva's like 43 years old. Adesanya's like... 30, 29 or 28 or something. Like, give me a break. Take him out. So what happened? So it it was a three-round fight, kind of boring. Some parts were interesting. Adesanya won. Unanimous decision. Um, And such a shame. Whitaker got hernia. (laughs) Got a hernia during the night. So he had to get that removed. Couldn't fight Gastelum, but... It would have taken Gaslam to the cleaners. Oh, it would have taken Gaslam to the cleaners. <laughs> it would have just polished him off and kicked him off. Further down whipped the middle cream on, Whipped cream <laughs> on that little Mexican boy and eating him up for dessert. Got to be a little <laughs> quesadilla. <laughs> Young Doss man. I'm looking forward right. to this because we were supposed to have a guest on to discuss the trade deadline, but unfortunately he was busy eating. So <laughs> Mark the Shark. He will not be booked again. Yeah. Mark the Shark. So, Andos, run us through what happened... Who did it happen to? Who are the winners and losers? I think that's yeah, what people want to hear. Losers. Winners and losers. Okay. So tell us when was the deadline? The deadline. Oh gee, you're putting me on the spot here. I think it would have been a few days ago. The eighth. Yeah, the eighth of February. Maybe. Of February, that would be my take. guess. Give or, give or take. take. Basic research. And uh, here we we're gonna go through. I think probably the four most significant trades. Um, coincidental that they most of them happened in the east. The eastern teams, especially at the top, were making some serious moves. Um, but uh, so we'll start. On that note, with the 76ers and LA Clippers trade. 76ers huge. made some big moves. 76ers really put it all on the line. Um, they they're in a real win-now mentality, that organisation. Really I mean, but I mean, they're setting up a big four for hopefully years, because they're, they're planning to sign all four. They're all young. But, um, they and acquired, apparently they've got super rich ownership who are happy to yeah, Steve, splash some cash. Oh, yeah. Um, so the Sixers acquired Tobias Harris, all-star snub in my opinion. Should have been there. Mm-hmm. Boban Marjanovic, the heaviest and biggest player in the NBA. He's, He's also a funny guy. We love Boban. Um, Bit and of a defensive liability. He is. He can't move. He's a funny dude, though. And, um, <laughs> That's all that matters. Yeah, him, Boby and Toby is what they're affectionately <laughs> called. <laughs> Not sure how I feel about that. But, uh, and also, they acquired Mike Scott. Don't know who you are. 
<laughs> you got it. You got a gig. You got in there, Mike mate. Mike Scott, I think, is a uh, small. I think every now and then in two K, you get Mike Scott for about thirty <laughs> seconds at the end of the third quarter. Probably yeah. the end of the second. End of the second and yeah, then the third. Yeah. Um, and us. So, uh, do and we want to talk about that? Uh, or well, finished? we haven't finished the Clippers on the other Hold side. On. Yeah, yeah, you can keep going. They got uh, Landry Shamet, Wilson Chandler. Chandler, yeah. And uh, Mike Muscala, as well as four draft yeah, picks. Yeah, it's the draft picks. And apparently, draft it's, picks. I think it's a 2021 heat pick, which is the big one. Yep. The, well, the, the, Unprotected, am I right? Yeah, the 2020 first round pick from the Sixers. They've got the 2021 first round Miami pick. Unprotected, I'm fairly certain. 2021 second round pick and 2023 second round pick as well. I don't actually put that much weight on the um, Miami pick as much as other people would. Yeah. I think... That's the Miami they've made the trade though. The Heat organization do not lose. Pat Riley, one of the best GMs in the business. Eric Spolstra, very underrated coach. I think he's been, um, he's been crap since LeBron left. Not really. Not with the talent he's had. He's had dry. Whiteside's gone down the drain. He had a good season, which they made, they they always make the playoffs. Dragic is all. I mean, all right. He's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're being harsh on the drag, Master. <laughs> the drag. Dude, I think Dragic sucks. <laughs> he should not have been in the All-Star game he, last year. Absolutely, Simmons should have been. Simmons. That's a, <laughs> accounting for Australian bias. It still should have been Simmons. But um, I think the 76ers, if the 76ers are able to even, because I think there's a good chance Jimmy Butler leaves in the offseason. He's just a problem. Um, I don't think so. I like Butler a lot. And... We also need to cover the fact that Sixers did trade for Butler. It was before the deadline, but they did yeah, acquire they did. Butler during the season. Yeah. Who they dish Covington and um, Sarich to the Timberwolves. I'm going to say it. Um, I'm a big fan of Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris can ball. That guy's legit. Um, Stephen A. Philly, the <laughs> 76ers. <laughs> 76ers are now by far and away my favourite to come out of the East. Boston sucks at the minute. Um, super inconsistent. Um, the it. Raptors would be the only ones that can contend, and we all know what the Raptors are like. Kyle Lowry well, is not a, a oh, playoffs player. Well, oh, let me tell you, Kawhi's clutch. Kawhi's clutch as they come. Defensive stopper. He can. He can. He can ball with the best of them. And but let me also give you a shout out. You reckon he can take down that five-man starting lineup? Philly's going to put out. That team is like an oh, almost like oh, an all-star you, team. You, you put Serge Ibaka in there. Um, well, who else they got? Didn't they? They acquired yeah, Marcus. They, they acquired Marcus. They Gasol, acquired Marcus Sol. He's a fringe all star. Dude, he has he hasn't been good for the past two years. That's not true. Who That's else they got? They got Danny Green. Cash. Danny Green hasn't been good since the Spurs. That was this year that he and he's he got cash traded. money. He's gone. He's but cash money. You're overlooking Bucks. You're overlooking the Greek freak. Mm. You keep naming one player on the team who's a good player. Okay, oh, let me... Look, let at, me look at Bledsoe. And, and, and look at Bledsoe, Brogdon, Middleton. They got Brook Lopez who can shoot the ball. They also <laughs> acquired Miritich before the trade yeah. deadline. He's big. He is elite. He is a time. baller. But but I think we can discount the Bucks since they traded the GOAT, Thon Maker. They did trade the GOAT, Thon <laughs> They got no respect. It's totally it's disrespectful to the game. They also... <laughs> it's disrespectful to the Bucks. They also, it's disrespectful to the NBA, the to Adam Silver, to the owners, to the Players Association. The Bucks should be banned from trading for the next five years. They gave it and give that man some damn minutes. Give him some minutes. More importantly, give that man some damn walking around money. Well, the Bucks, the Bucks have made two completely unethical, illegal trades, in my opinion. The first one was trading the god Delhi, sending him back to the Cavs. Deal Delhi. They did deal Delhi. Delhi got dealt. 
<laughs> Delhi got dealt. And then <laughs> the second one. Delhi got dealt to the arguably the worst team in the league. Well, it's not arguable. They are the worst team. <laughs> yeah, definitely the worst team. In the, so the Suns try to give them a run for their money, but <laughs> Suns try every they're, year. They're just and the Knicks as well. They're all they're all just no, the tanking. Knicks, the, the Knicks gave the Raptors a decent run today. Well, yeah, Dennis Smith DSJ put up and DeAndre Jordan. But that's that. a, that's actually another trade that we were going to talk about. The uh, DSJ so, trade. So, um, yeah, wonderful segue. This isn't. Uh, I think the, that trade was more important for the here and now. This trade we're going to talk about is more important for the, the future of the year. Yeah. For the, for the, for the five-year plan. So, so what that seems is that the Mavs have traded away kind of three three of their starting five. Why don't you end us do the wrap? This yeah, is let his, me do the wrap. This, this is supposed to be my segment. This is segment. You do your segment. Okay, so the Knicks, the the Knicks sent away. So the Mavericks, the Mavericks acquired Chris Saps, Paul Zingas, Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke. Courtney Lee's always good on two K. He's he's a reliable on two K. Tim, I like Tim Hardaway Jr. as well. I think he's a he's a walking bucket. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that means. The New York Knicks. (laughs) He's got nothing in him. The New York Knicks. Let me let me say, man. Gosh dang segment, mate. The New York Knicks acquired Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, and two future first-round picks. I think the Knicks win this trade. Are you kidding? I think the Knicks win this trade. For I'm going to take the Max Kellerman approach. Please don't. He knows nothing, that guy. Max, how about that you? guy said Tom Brady's done. He did say Tom Brady. That's the worst call He also said ever. Colin McGregor wasn't going to land a punch against Floyd Mayweather. Are you going to let me let me <laughs> explain the rationale or what? Well, there won't be much rationale for your channel well, Max Kellerman. <laughs> the rationale is that there's only ever been one player, I think, who is Chris Dapps's height, Chris Dapps's size, that has been consistently healthy. And I, I forgot who it was. I think Dirk. he played for the Mavs. No, Dirk's like seven foot. But Chris Dapps is seven three. He's just had a seriously major injury. We don't know what the Chris Dapps coming back is going to be like. We could see a Gordon Hayward type of return where he's sort of okay. Like, also, there's no guarantee that Chris Tapps is going to stay healthy just because of his size. And because of that, I think that the Knicks, especially acquiring two future first-round picks from the Mavs, which I don't, which I think are going to be like decent picks, I think the Knicks get get, well, get up. Well, it is spot. a gamble, but we also have to recognise that Chris Tapps probably won't be playing much this season. They'll probably keep him. I mean, I'll they're not really. Boy. They're not going to make the. They're not going to make the playoffs. There, there are a few. They're not above five hundred, and Chris Apps going to take a while to come back. They dealt several of their starting five. They're not going to make the playoffs. So what they should do is just bench Chris Apps and just tank for Zion or RJ or Cam Reddish or who's that other guy who beat Duke single-handedly in the Hawaii tournament? Uh, that guy. For, um... Um, yeah, they should just. I think they're doing it pretty smart because they're going to probably get a good pick this year. They are going to get a good pick, but I don't think they're bad. They're definitely not bad enough. The question, the, is what, the question is, what are their needs? They're too, clo- they're too close to 500 to be <laughs> getting a bottom three pick, which is... Yeah, but so many teams bad. are just above or just below 500. Not in the, but, no, not in the West, yes. Not in the East. East, they've got five good good teams and then a bunch of hot trash. <laughs> what I'm also it's saying... Still, it's so bizarre to me that you can... Lose more games than you win and, and get a decent playoff spot in the East. It's oh, disgusting. Yeah. You, can get, you can get six. Yeah. That's not a decent playoff. Yeah, Especially they've got they've got six. You'll take that. Yeah. Out of sixteen. Yeah, but also Are you me? you've got five, four elite teams in the East. One really good team in Indiana. Indiana's hot trash without Victor Oladipo. 
I'll tell you, they're sustaining their record. They're going to be fine. They're not going to. They're yeah, not going to make it past. They're not going to make Turner. it. They're not going to make it past the first round. Miles Turner's getting legit. He's starting to fulfil on his potential. He's supposed to have been getting legit for a couple of seasons. But he has been getting just... legit now. Have you seen how many blocks he's and the people he's blocking? He's been he's been high back. on the blocks list for like three seasons. Send him back. It's not a it's not a huge deal to me that he's getting blocks. He should be getting blocks. Um, but disrespect. Don't disrespect my boy in the mask like. The Miles, look, he's a good player. I hope he does well. Um, but right what now, you, what are you cousins or something? Or? <laughs> I'm a, a basketball. I'm a basketball. Are you sitting down at the shops or something? <laughs> this is this is BS. This is huge BS. I've been my. What else have you got, Andy? What okay, else have you got? I think okay, the last. What do we think? What do we think? Are our future predictions for how the Knicks will go? Let's say let's say they get a healthy Chris Stats and a healthy Luca. Do you mean the the Mavs? Yeah. The Mavs. Yeah, the Mavs. What's what's the ceiling for the Mavs? Those two, talking chips. I'm talking um, those two guys. Are, uh, you can easily fill some real good pieces around those guys. Those guys like Duke uh, Luca particularly. Luca is not a, a ball dominant guard in the sense that he's going to take 50 shots a game and kind of get some easy dump offs assists. Like if you're moving and you can shoot the ball moving and you can and play, if you're moving and grooving, Luca's going to find you. So I reckon it's going to become an attractive place. It's not going to be attractive in the same way that Boston's or the Lakers is attractive, but I reckon it could be of the second tier franchises, it could be close up. And there. Luca I think we need to face it. Luka Doncic is a transcendent player in the NBA. He, he end of his first season, he he's on track to be a top five player pretty soon. I think I think within the next two seasons he'll be top. Five. My fundamental problem with it is your your point guard in today's NBA cannot be the best player on your team. He can't. The depth of the NBA at uh, the point guard position. He doesn't in the play NBA. point guard. What do you mean? He doesn't play point guard. Yes, he does. No, he he's shooting guard power forward. He can. He's six eight. What are you talking about? <laughs> Mate, he's a point guard. He's 6'8". He dribbles guy. the ball. He handles the ball. De- does Dennis Smith Jr. just dribbling it up? I'm not sure who they've got now. They might put... I don't know who, who, what other... They'll, put, Tim, they'll put Trey Burke or Tim Arnold. He's Arnold's not someone on my fantasy. Know. comes up as shooting guard power forward. Yeah, do your 2K research yeah, yeah, before ben you Simmons come in here. comes up as a power forward. No, no he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He does. <laughs> the thing is, though, he doesn't. Okay, let's have a look. Okay. Steinberg. Well, the other... <laughs> you want to look that one up, mate? <laughs> Um, what I will say though about Luca is that he's got a silky, unguardable step back. Oh, that is so wet. Which is cash. So wet. Filling <laughs> it up. And he's he's he can be really clutch. He can be clutch. No, he's not it's not he can be clutch. Well, he, he has clutch. He has he has he had the clutch. chance to close out a few games, he didn't close out. Um, but against Bear Houston mind. he did he was he was Bear really mind. good. He single handedly put Real Madrid on his back to win a Euroleague championship at eighteen years old. Mm-hmm. This kid is legit. Joe Ingles did a similar thing, I think. Joe, if I remember correctly. Joe Ingles. I believe look, it was in the. Um, there's no the second grade NBL. There's no player that's ever going to reach Joe Ingles' level of transcendence. But if we're talking yeah, Joe Ingles, potentially Thon Maker. Potentially Thon. But if we're talking Joe Ingles esque, Luka Doncic is your guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and I think I think we'll move on to our last last trade now. I think we've wrapped up the Knicks maps saga. Um, Oh, wait, look at him, just not a power forward for Dougal. <laughs> he does play power forward sometimes. He, he can play power forward. I mean, you reckon he plays more power forward or more point guard? It doesn't matter what's he more. Plays he, does. He, he plays shooting guard. He plays shooting guard. But what do you reckon he plays more? This. Definitely not point guard. I would say. Out of point guard and power forward. Yeah, he plays more power forward than point guard. 
Look, I think we can both address that you two are both equally as dumb as each other on the subject. Um, moving on to the last trade, I which I think talking about intelligence. is the number one pick, Markel, sent off to Orlando Disgraceful. for Jonathan Simmons, a first round pick via OKC, and a second round pick. Caveat, uh, Jordan Steinberg's Orlando Magic. Yeah, he says... Uh, they're back in contention well, now. Let me say, Vucevic is legit at the Magic. He's, he's legit. He's a top five center. Deserves to be an All Star. I give him a big tap on the top back. Five business around. You got about I fifteen think... players, and he's top five thing you mentioned. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know with Vucevic. Vucevic. Aaron Gordon's playing like hot trash. I don't Aaron, know. He's, he could be good. He's the highest paid player on their roster, but he's not making. He's, he's not, not making he plays. Can, I mean, he can dunk. He's it a good. He's a good third option. If you, if you got him as a third option, you'd do all right. But the thing is, that he's, he's the second option at the moment. Vucevic can't shoot it. He's yeah, he just Vucevic he's just can jack a he's a stat Vucevic sheet. He's a, he's a stat sheet stuffer. Is what he is. Put, he's put up meaningless stats. Vucevic can get triple doubles. They, in they, the East. they he's won at the bottom of the East. They won by twenty today against the Bucks without Giannis. So when they versus scrub teams, Vucevic can be impactful. But I think if you put Joel Embiid on him, or if you put even Al Horford on him. Or another one of these elite. I guarantee you, Al Horford would be Vucevic's girlfriend by the end of 48 minutes. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. Al I think Horford, you he did shut down Joel Embiid. He yeah. made him, if you put uh, maybe third in contention for GOAT Aaron Baines on him. Aaron Baines, <laughs> Baines neutralised Joel Embiid last year. I would also contend Aaron Baines is also in the running for the most posters of all time in the NBA. Yeah, not a not a great look. He puts his body on the line. That's what you need from a from a good. Uh, he's hanging in player. more kids' bedrooms than any other player in the league. <laughs> Except he's just getting dunked on. Getting all dunked on. Getting absolutely yacked on every time. <laughs> he's he's six, Bainsy. six ten. Not very. Bainsy bring the painsy. <laughs> Andy, so what do you think about the trade? Who wins? Look, I think um, I think the Sixers win. I don't like. I I'm. Don't like Fultzy. Well, I think I'm off the Fultz train. I think um, usually I think you got to give it about three years before you actually really you call a bust a bust. A, call a bust a bust, but it's not it's not looking great for him, is it? He's I think a, Scotty Pippen called him the biggest bust in NBA history. Stephen A. said he's on the verge. He's on the verge. <laughs> Stephen A. is known for his outlandish statements. I will say that. Yeah. But to put someone above Kwame Brown, they got to be pretty hot trash. I mean, Kwame Kwame was. Seriously hot trash. Couldn't handle the ball. I mean, at least at least <laughs> Kwame played some games. Stephen A. Smith said this. Oh, the Fultz did get a triple-double. Youngest trip person to get a triple-double, I think. Yeah, but uh, who was it against? I guarantee you it was against a crap team. Like, well, why don't you do your research? I will. I will do that now. Do, any, do you have any comments on the... Um, what do you think now of the Sixers starting five? Me? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, I, I think they can even push the Warriors. Oh, so they're saying... So who's this guy, Jonathan Isaac, or did they got? Tobias Harris. No, the guy for Fultz. Uh, Jonathan Simmons. Jonathan Simmons. He's um. Is he going to be on the bench? Yeah, he'll be on the bench. They they was, was that the guy who was playing at the Spurs? He was. They're going to put Reddick. Dude, in the he starters? was balling when he was at the Spurs. Well, I mean, he's in, that, in that Popovich system, it's pretty usable. But um, Popovich yeah, he's uh, he's also Jonathan Simmons also got some. I think ups. Popovich. Some yeah, he's got some bounce. Ups. I remember he was putting people on the backboard when he was playing the Spurs. Backboard pins. Yeah, that's yeah. what the Spurs need. Uh, the Sixers need a little bit of defensive hustle. Of def- yeah, but especially on the perimeter. Yeah, I know. Especially if you got because JJ Reddick's not 
an amazing defender. He's not. He can Steinberg's he can, favorite player. He can shoot the absolute. <laughs> he can shoot, shoot the daylights. Day, it can, was the one man Magic franchise for about ten years. I mean, Jojo Redick. Oh, arguably I, better than Shaquille O'Neal. Definitely, he's got Dwight's number. I would say. You know, who else got Dwight's number. <laughs> Kelly Oubre, apparently. <laughs> We're gonna go there. Are you ready? Let's do it. And go, go ahead. You go ahead, Axe. Go ahead. All I'm gonna say is, that what I'm, are you gonna introduce it, or are you just gonna? Th- I'm just going to throw out these obscene comments. I'm going to drop comments because I don't... It'll descend quite quickly in the match. It's, it's, it's the Dwight... The Dwight... <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about Joseph Conrad's heart of darkness? Well... We'll Dwight's, Dwight's thing was proven fake, though. Are you sure? Yeah, because the same... The same lady... The same lady... Um, did the same thing to Playboy Cardi. Mm. And so... Um, Maybe celebs are just into it, though. Maybe Dwight really I've is a seven foot bottom. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> I have heard of weirder things that celebrities doing. I mean, celebrities. Ubre is a pretty boy. I rate Ubre. He can you ball. Know, you know who? Six man of the year for me. Ubre's sons. Have you, have you guys um? Have you guys seen uh, Blueface? Blueface Bleedem. No. This rap. This new rapper who looks exactly like Kelly Ubre. He just he just gets clout because he's a he's a pretty boy. But he's Is also he? a gangster. Is he? Blueface bleed him. He's got a couple of the, a couple of the, uh, the boys really like Blueface. Um, maybe in a weird way. But we don't know what, what do you we mean did. weird? Maybe in a uh, not traditional way. Uh, Andy. Andy. Oh, he's, not, he's not as pretty as Kelly yeah. Ubre. Kelly Ubre's a very pretty boy. <laughs> check, you gonna check that out, Steinberg? <laughs> I'm not surprised Andy and his mates like this guy. If everyone looks up Blueface Bleed on Google Images, you'll see what type of operator Andy's, Andy's rolling with. <laughs> I didn't say... I, a smooth I operator. I don't listen to him. He's a smooth Andy. caramel. <laughs> a rich mahogany. <laughs> Does that wrap us up? I think we're crawling to the finish line here. <laughs> I think we I mean, did our wrap-up about 25 minutes ago. Yeah, so do we... What's our... Who are we shouting out? Oh, God damn. Um, we were supposed to do this at the top of the show, and we didn't didn't oh, quite do also, it. Also, let's let me do a quick shout out. We got a cool. Um, oh yeah, we did get a cool DM oh. from um, on Instagram. Feel free to DM us on Instagram. Yep. Slip we and slide, really slip and slide right into our DM. We got a link to alienworldmystery.com revealing all the secrets and mysteries of extraterrestrials and their existence on Earth. Um. They just get a shout out for sliding into our DMs today. We need more people. Also, into feel our free DMs. to send us in your best memes. We tend to post about one meme a day on our Instagram. And we're going to post. We're going to post our meme and of the week. We will uh, give you credit for page. it. So send us in your best meme. It can be political. Can also be yeah. cultural. Just funny in general. Yeah. Just, just any comments really about what you want to see, what uh, what you like, what you don't like. You give me some ideas. You know, little bit of that. Sometimes I may be good, sometimes I may be shit. Okay, whatever, mate. You are, <laughs> that's what the Italians say. You are losing it, mate. <laughs> you have lost. You cracked it. Uh, okay, so we're going to finish that up now. If you're still with us at this point, <laughs> we absolutely love you. And uh, uh, we're plugging my style suits or what? We're going to have to plug loyal my sponsors. style suits. They, they, they're hanging with us to the end here. Okay, and we're my style suits on. is sponsoring this podcast. Now I'm back. The business is booming. <laughs> Make sure to pick up your suits from my style. You'll be seeing us around a lot. Anything else? Any shout outs? 
Don't think so. Shout out to Bryce Harris. I'm looking forward to seeing him balling shout out sixes. Shout out Toby and Bobby. The classic power duo. Also, shout out to the Furphy gang, as Andy likes to the, call The furries. The furries. The furry gangs. Don't know if that'll be included in. We'll have to see. <laughs> we'll have to check the uh, TMO, third, third umpire, on this one. I don't know why. You brought him up, big boy. Yeah, I'd pull it right. up. Whatever. <laughs> Thank you, can... you, boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> we are out of here. We are out of here. See you next time.